0: talk to you about three key tips that you can use to make your fearful avoidant dismissive avoidant relationship work and we're going to cover these three major tips and also how to execute on these things at the same time um, if you notice my background's a little different today too and, and we uh, had to leave where we live in Canada for most of the year um because of Hurricane Fiona so hopefully I will be back home um very soon with power our whole island is pretty much out of power so um anyways so I want to dive right in so First thing, one of the first tips that's the most important for this relationship to work is that each individual has to practice vulnerability in the relationship in order to facilitate a healthy understanding between both parties. So something that often happens when you have two avoidants in a relationship, even though they're different types of avoidance, um, if you have a fearful avoidant with a dismissive avoidant, what essentially is taking place is that... um, you are finding yourself in a position where both parties more easily and naturally self-soothe and more easily naturally pull away over big things and what that will do is eventually take what begins in like the dating or honeymoon stage of a relationship and pull it apart it like makes it really difficult to last Because if each person keeps going back to themselves and never extends themselves out and lets the other person know what hurt them or bothered them or created pain or or destruction in any form, then essentially both parties are left unresolved. And while the dismissive avoidant is really good at leaving things unresolved because they can repress for longer periods of time, the fearful avoidant is not. And even though the dismissive avoidant can push their feelings down, because the FA can't usually do that for long periods of time the lack of resolution will come out in a different way that will cause chaos in the dismissive avoidance life anyways. So an example of this would be if there's an argument and nobody feels resolved or or actually talks about their impact, their inner feelings and needs around how to resolve the argument, then what you'll find is that the dismissive avoidant can kind of push it under the rug, but the fearful avoidant will not be able to. And then they may become critical or frust- frustrated at something else later. And even though the DA thinks they can solve things by pushing things down and avoiding resolution, that avoiding resolution will just come back around from the fearful avoidant because they're still going to feel that resentment and that's going to come out as criticism and it's going to disrupt the, the dismissive avoidance feelings, anyways. Um, even though they're trying to hide from their own feelings by pushing the original argument away. So what's really important is to actually practice talking through things and doing that in a vulnerable way. Without vulnerability, this relationship basically can't work. Um, And so it's scary. It's really scary to practice being vulnerable, but it's extremely important to mend any potential pain points in this relationship long term. And vulnerability doesn't have to be this like really big, scary thing. Um, It can feel scary the first time you try to practice it, but it doesn't have to be something that's like, you know, negative or destabilizing. Vulnerability can essentially just be sharing something that you needed in an argument or situation and also sharing something that you wanted the person you were arguing with to understand about your perspective. So it can look like saying... Hey, you know, when we were arguing yesterday, I felt hurt about this comment that was made. And I know we were both in the heat of the moment and it was a challenging dynamic, but it really affected me. And next time, can you try to be more gentle with your words? Like it doesn't have to be this huge thing but the expression of it has to be there. And that that really has to be a practice. And it has to come from both the fearful avoidant end and the dismissive avoidant end. And I will tell you from working with so many couples over the years, um, if vulnerability wasn't there, if neither party was willing to take the first step towards practicing vulnerability around this dynamic, um, there just wasn't. It's like the absence of doing the work. It's like saying, "I want to change, but I'm not going to do anything to make that change happen." And so it makes a relationship moot. Like it, it th- this has to be there for the relationship to grow through the power struggle stage um, and into the future phases of relationships. So that's point number one. It's really, really important. Also, as I go through these other points, I'm going through them at a fairly high level for what I can put into a, a 10 minute or so video. Um, if you want to do a deep dive into this, I have a whole course about this. Like it's a two-part course. It's in a tremendous amount of detail with slides, everything. And it's like all you need to make this relationship work and how to do it and how to execute. And it's, it's you know, very, very um, full of resources and steps and strategies and clarity and what each person feels and experiences. So you can check that out using the link below um, to our seven day free trial. Course that gives you access to like everything or pass, not course, um, gives you access to everything at PDS. And then you can just pick out that course. So you go into the dashboard and type in fearful, avoidant, dismissive, avoidant relationship, and you'll see the two parts of that course pop up, and, and there's a tremendous amount of detail there for you. Um, so the second big piece here is um each party needs to learn to um Communicate not just about like things that are vulnerable to them, but also about their boundaries and their expectations. So something that often happens in this relationship, and this is like a huge point of learning for the fearful avoidant, is that they will not share what their boundaries really are, and as a result, they will left being feel, feeling like they have been taken advantage of. And you know, part of this is in fairness. Um, you know, like obviously we would like for people to naturally know what our boundaries are and what our needs are and to be able to show up and meet them. But the reality of this dynamic is that a dismissive avoidant doesn't have a lot of modeling for this, for like extending themselves to other people and showing up and going above and beyond to meet other people's needs, because that didn't happen to them in their childhood. And so a fearful avoidant Um, Will often mind read their partner because hypervigilance is one of their big attachment strategies. It's how they've learned to connect to other people is through reading between the lines, which makes them good at mind reading, not obviously actual mind reading, um, but the idea of mind reading, like trying to read between the lines. Um, And and then they will expect that everybody else who cares about them will do the same, but that's not everybody else's attachment strategy. So what can take place as a fearful avoidant is trying to read whatever every, you know, every facet of what the dismissive avoidant needs and the dismissive avoidant is sort of operating from their programming of assuming that each party is like looking out for themselves and taking care of their own needs. And so eventually the fearful avoidant will be left feeling like I'm extending myself above and beyond and it's not reciprocal. And then I'll feel frustrated and, and taken advantage of, but it's also the fearful avoidance shadow because they're essentially taking advantage of themselves to please that person, to win that person's approval. And also they have this expectation that love and care means mind reading when that's not what it is. Like love and care was and, and mind reading were how the fearful avoidant learned to attach to others. It's not how everybody learns to attach in relationships. And so um, what can be really valuable here is for the fearful avoidant to like communicate what they need, to not make there be this um, vagueness or ambiguity around what it is that they need from a partner, And what I would see time and time again in these types of relationship dynamics is that when they could communicate clearly and facilitate that, like, honest conversation, this is where the DA would have room to really show up and try to meet those needs and make an effort or at least negotiate the needs um, that they were available to meet so that both couples could come to this healthy conclusion about what each other was sort of responsible for in the relationship And this can be anything from like who pays more times at dinner to um, who is responsible for doing more chores to who is responsible for, um, you know, taking care and looking out for each other emotionally. Like there can be sort of all these different dynamics, but there has to be healthy conversation facilitated around this frequently. Um, So it's a huge, huge part. I would probably say it's actually like the most important part. Um, But again, it kind of goes hand in hand with vulnerability. So it's really hard to say. And last but not least, um, both parties in this dynamic have to be able to meet their own needs and each other's needs. It's really easy for this dynamic between a DA and FA to kind of like oscillate between codependency to counterdependence, where like both parties are, you know, becoming too independent because they both have that avoidance side. And sometimes what I would see over time in the DA-FA relationship, and maybe I'll make a separate video just about some of these pain points that can occur, but sometimes what I would see is like, that the relationship would start to whittle away because the fearful would, would really put themselves out there. And then when it wasn't reciprocated in the way that they expected, not the way that they communicated, but expected at a subconscious level, um, that the DA, um, they would then become like more and more avoiding to their DA partner and start kind of going cold and shutting that partner out. And then eventually you kind of have like two ships passing in the night. You have these two people have grown apart because neither person was willing to say like, what was really going on and, you know, be able to like look out for each other's needs and soothe their own needs at the same time. And then on the other hand, sometimes I would see that dismissive avoidance would get into a relationship and they wouldn't make those compromises to like meet the other person's needs and to do their best to to show up for what they can do and make that effort and put that effort in. Um, And then sometimes I would see too, like the fearful avoidance. Um, sort of feel like, okay, well, I'm going to shut you out since you're not doing that. And so you can see how this just becomes this like pushing away of things. And then when both parties were like trying to work things out, maybe they would overextend themselves. But again, without communication, overextension of self often also involves self-betrayal. So there can be this really funny dynamic where like, It's in this polarity of like betraying oneself or um, ignoring each other and ignoring each other's needs and really like staying guarded and in that guarded space. And there really has to be this middle ground. And that middle ground happens through these first two points of communication of vulnerability, and then being able to negotiate like what you are each available to show up for. And by communicating about your needs as a whole, you're also able to um, better understand What is necessary for the dynamic to function in the most optimal way. Now, when I say these things for these videos, like these things are things that need to happen in order to strengthen the dynamic. And obviously, in doing that, you're moving on a path to becoming more securely attached because these are things that the securely attached person naturally does in their relationships. But insecurely attached people don't really get conditioned with or modeled to um, in a way that promotes these skills in interpersonal connections. So you know, these are things that are, you know, if you're doing them, you're on the path to becoming more secure and you're taking steps to move there. Um, but these are really important things for the health and well-being um, of this relationship, because without these things and just as two insecurely attached individuals, not doing the work, um, it can be really difficult for this relationship to survive long-term in a way that's truly fulfilling. Um, so I hope this makes sense. Um, let me know any questions you have in the comments below. You know, there's some other honorable mentions we could talk about, like making sure you're questioning your stories and making sure that you're, you know, not, um, um, you know, being spiteful in a relationship or too critical or, you know, respecting each other's um, boundaries as well as communicating about them. Like there's so many other things that get honorable mentions, but I would say these are top three, um, that would be super beneficial. And again, if you want to do a deep dive into more, check out the link down below, um, and the courses we have, and that will give you everything you need to know tenfold, um, and exactly how to execute it even in challenging situations. So hopefully this makes sense. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for being here. Please like share and subscribe if you haven't already, and I will see you in the next video.